0: So for our listeners, all you need to do is download EarnIn today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under Podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under Podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location see earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust member FDIC. This is the Shameless Mom Academy episode 251. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned and any discount codes to our sponsors can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 251. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hey mamas, before we get started today, I have a special announcement. Okay. So many of you know, and some of you even participated over the last couple of years, I've run different momentum masterminds. So these were groups that I ran virtually for six weeks or so where I had groups of moms come in and they could come in and work on building momentum in any area of their life. And so some women came in and they wanted to work on health and wellness goals. And some people wanted to work on professional goals. And some people wanted to start businesses and all sorts of really cool things. And the things that got done in those groups in short amounts of time was phenomenal. And the bonds that were made, the community, the connections, the camaraderie, all of it was one of the most rewarding parts of being part of the Shameless Mom Academy for me. And there were a lot of requests after running those groups every single time with What do we do now? How do we all stay connected? How can we keep doing this all the time? How can we maintain this momentum? So, here we go. I have an answer. I have put together the Shameless Mom Momentum Mamas. So, the Shameless Mom Momentum Mamas is going to be a private community for motivated mamas to create the confidence you crave, build better boundaries, and tune into tiny habits to turn up your life. So, this is going to help you build momentum in any area of your life. If you're looking to create better habits around your health and wellness, if you're looking to build up your career and take some courageous leaps in that direction. If you're just looking to build confidence and live a better life, live bigger, bolder, braver every damn day, this will be the place for you. Inside the Momentum Mamas, you will have access to special monthly trainings to uplevel your life. I will be creating cheat sheets and templates for you to overhaul your routines each month. I will be offering group coaching on hot topics. Here's my two favorite things. We will have our very own book club So excited for that. And we're going to have virtual happy hours where we just get together and have a little glass of wine, maybe some tea, whatever you like to sip on at the end of the day. And also with all this, of course, you're going to have special access to me that other people don't have where we get to work together and I get to help you and support you toward your goals. So I'm in the process of putting this all together and getting it ready to launch to our community but if you are interested and you're like, yes, I need some Momentum Mamas in my life, I am a mama looking to build momentum, I want you to get on the waitlist. And so to do that, you're going to go over to shamelessmom.com slash waitlist. That's shamelessmom.com slash waitlist. Waitlist is all one word. And you're going to enter your name and email, and that will get you on the waitlist so that you can get more information as soon as I have it ready. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, mamas, happy Monday. So I have a little bit of a different episode for you today. And I mentioned a few weeks ago I'd be talking about this and kind of hinted at it a little bit in our private Facebook group as well. I had to kind of wait and see how the dust settled on a couple things before I could dig into it. And also, I haven't been totally sure how I wanna talk about this and you'll understand more as I get into it. It's a little bit of a different episode, And some of it will be like me processing this just really, really like unbelievable thing that happened in relationship to our family and Vinny's school and a situation there with one of his teachers. So I do have like some takeaways at the end that you might find valuable if you have ever gone through like some sort of serious deceit. Um, I will preface this all by saying that I'm not one that handles deceit well. And I've been lucky that I have not had to manage a lot of deceit in my life. Like I have not had a lot of people be dishonest with me or try to pull one over on me. But I will tell you like anytime I have found out that someone has lied to me or like covered something up. And even like my mom, when I was really little, when I would find out that she may be like wasn't sharing the full truth, like out of protection for me, which like parents do sometimes, that was always really hard for me. So I'm definitely someone who does not like being kept in the dark about anything. And I'm like easily offended and insulted and upset and like very sensitive to just like not knowing the full truth. So when there's something that's like blatant deceit, that's like, you know, a blatant lie that causes harm in any way, like that's just really, really hard for me to swallow. And really, I mean, like just starting to talk about this already, my stomach hurts. So I'm very sensitive to these things. And some of it, you know, there's this term that's come up and not, it's not a new term, but I think that has become much more popular terminology around being an empath. And I think that a lot of people consider themselves empaths. I think it's become a little bit of a trendy, loosely used term. Some people might completely disagree with me. The reason I say that is because I see people use this terminology as a little bit of like, I don't know, I feel like kind of sometimes use this as a badge of honor. So let me explain a little bit. So an empath is a person, this is like literally the dictionary definition, a person with a paranormal ability to apprehend the mental or emotional state of another individual. So the way that I see people use this term is that they'll say like, well, I'm an empath. And so I really feel other people's things. So like, let's say one of your good friends is going through a really awful situation. Like you might feel that burden for them. You might feel the sadness or the grief or the anger or whatever they're feeling like you might feel that too. You might take that on and not because you're like trying to be helpful or trying to be sympathetic or compassionate. Like you just can't help yourself that you take on other people's emotions. So that's a little bit of what an empath is. A doctor wrote about this. This is just from a little Google research I did, but a doctor, Judith Orloff, wrote about being an empath, saying that empaths are highly sensitive, finely tuned instruments when it comes to emotions. They feel everything, sometimes to an extreme, and are less apt to intellectualize feelings. Intuition is the filter through which they experience the world. Empaths are naturally giving, spiritually attuned, and good listeners. So that means that empaths often have a hard time separating head and heart. And so they can't just like take the facts of something. They're like emotionally really charged and connected to things. And I definitely fit into some of that category or, you know, a lot of that definition definitely applies to me. All that said, sometimes I see people using the term being an empath. And I feel like it's kind of like this braggy thing or like it's a crutch that like people take on other people's stuff And it makes me a little squirmy. So I'm hesitant to be like, this really impacted me because I'm an empath. But I definitely have a hard time intellectualizing feelings. And I also definitely feel everything and often to extremes. Like I'm a very black and white person. Like I'm all one way or the other. And if I'm feeling something, I'm like feeling it a lot and not just a little. And like, I definitely have that intensity about me. I'm a Scorpio for my astrological sign. So anyway, so that's just kind of the lens through which this situation that I'm going to share through which I received this information, but I'm not like a psychic or an intuitive or anything like that. (laughs) And you'll notice that as we go through this story, because clearly I could never have predicted how this all ended. So here we go. Vinny's been in a classroom with three teachers this year, and they've been amazing. And actually they had some staffing changes in the middle of the year. So two of the teachers actually that were in the classroom as of a couple months ago were new-ish, like in the early part of the year. But we felt like really good about it. Everyone was great, so fun, and so friendly. And there was the lead teacher who's been there forever. We adore her. And then two other teachers who were the assistant teachers. And we had had really great experiences with them as well. One of them was a male, which I was excited about. I love that Vinny has had two really amazing male teachers at the school who people like he really. I felt like he bonded with, he connected with, and I think it's just really cool when kids get that experience of having female and male teachers. So that was really positive. So in March, we found out that the male teacher, I'm going to call him Scott. So the male teacher said his wife was pregnant with twins. And This was like obviously really exciting. And what's crazy is there's like so many people at Vinnie's school, so many teachers had babies do this like spring and summer. It's been like a big baby fest over there. So it was like, oh my gosh, another teacher is pregnant and this one's having twins. And wow, like that's just amazing how many teachers are pregnant at one time. Not the teacher being pregnant, but his wife being pregnant. And like one more teacher who was bringing babies into the family and all this. So that was exciting. And as it got closer to his wife's due date, we became aware that there was potentially some complications. And if you're familiar with twin pregnancies, like they're always considered high risk. And so there was some conversation around like, you know, the babies will probably be born early and that his wife had some health issues and... That was making it an even more kind of tentative situation. And so I had heard at one point that in the middle of June, that as soon as the baby's lungs were developed to a certain point, that the doctors were going to induce labor because they needed to get the babies out as soon as possible to make sure that the babies were safe and the mom was safe. And also not super unusual in a twin pregnancy to have a situation like that. And i Also, I knew that at that point, she was like approaching her third trimester. And often twins come really early, but they're viable at a very young age and low birth weight, like just due to modern medicine. And I know this from having friends who have gone through twin births. So I was like, okay, you know, as I heard this, I was like, okay, like we'll be thinking about them for sure and everything. And so one day I was at school and the teacher, Scott says to me, yeah, I have to go pick up my other son in New York next Thursday. And I'm a little bit worried that the babies are going to come while I'm gone. So he has another son, I think who's seven, who he has like shared custody with. So he was going to go to New York to pick up the son for, I don't know if it was for like a few weeks or for the summer or what, but he was going to pick him up. And so I was thinking like, oh my gosh. Like the babies might come and you might not be there. And like, can't the mother of your seven-year-old maybe be flexible with travel dates if these babies are coming any day now? And that was a little surprising to me, but I'm like, it's none of my business. So I was like, okay, like, you know, I'll definitely be thinking of you guys and keep us posted. And, you know, that's kind of where I left it. So that was in like the middle of a week, about a week or so before he was supposed to go to New York. So the next week comes, it's the week he's supposed to go to New York. He's supposed to go on a Thursday Thursday. On Wednesday, in the middle of the day, we get an email from school that says Scott's babies were born today. They went to the emergency room this morning due to some complication. The babies were born. There was two babies, a little girl who only survived two hours. The second baby, a little boy, is fighting for his life, and his wife is also in pretty critical condition. She has gone blind in one eye. They are having a hard time stabilizing her blood pressure. This is like... A really scary situation. So everyone, like, please pray and just you know whatever you do to hold people in good spaces, do that. So that was a devastating email to get. I got that email like mid afternoon, and I had to go pick up Vinny a little early that day to take him to gymnastics. And I remember walking over to school and having been sitting at my desk crying right before that. And I remember walking across the streets, Our school's across the street, so I walk across the street to go to school. And I'm like, just don't cry. Like, don't burst into tears right when you get there. And also, I knew that this was like a really fun time for the kids because it was the day before the big class play. So the pre-K classroom, like this big event that they have at the end of the year is this play that they do. And that was going to be on Thursday night. So this was Wednesday mid-afternoon. So like, there was a lot of energy and enthusiasm around this play. So I was like, just want to stay peppy for the play. And like, everyone's in there, like making their costumes and building sets. And it's adorable and hilarious and like, so cute. And so I was like, just like, focus on that. Don't think about the babies. Don't make eye contact with the teachers, like whatever. So I walk in, I see the other assistant teacher. She burst into tears. I burst into tears. We talk for just a minute. We're trying to like be, you know, pretty inconspicuous around the kids. I go and I get Vinny. And then I see the other teacher and like, we can barely make eye contact. And she's just like, yeah, it's been a little bit of a crazy day. Like we're just, you know, doing what we can. And kids were like right there. So we weren't going to say anything. Then I said, I am around. I'm working from home tomorrow. I have nothing going on. If you need anything, I know you're unexpectedly short staffed. Like if you need anything for the play, if you need me to come in and help out with anything like emotional support, whatever, just let me know. So she says, okay. So then the next day is Thursday. So my assumption was that because this teacher had just lost a baby and another baby in critical condition in the hospital and his wife in critical condition, I thought, well, he's not going to still go to New York to go pick up his son. But then we find out that like, oh, it seems like apparently he went to New York to pick up a son. So that was kind of a crazy update. And then we got an update around that same time that we found out he'd left that maybe it was shortly after that, that the little boy baby still in critical condition, but holding on, it turns out that during birth, he had had a pretty severe spinal injury. And the doctors were worried that he would be permanently paralyzed. However, there was a surgery they were considering, but it was a nine-hour surgery, and they didn't know if he could survive it because he's a preterm twin. And I believe at some point along the way, we were told he was four pounds. I'm not positive about that, but in my mind, we were talking about like a four-pound preterm baby. And so doing the surgery would obviously be like extremely risky, but the other option was to not do the surgery and have him be permanently paralyzed as the potential. And I remember talking to some mom friends and saying like, how do you even make that decision? Like, I can't even imagine. And just the weight on my soul and among all of the parents at school was just like, it was crushing because you are imagining someone who's lost one baby and is making this kind of a decision about their other baby while their wife is still like not well. And they're like going to New York to pick up, this other child. And I mean, it's just like, all of it was like beyond comprehension. So we find out that, so they're considering the surgery. We're just kind of all waiting a bunch of parents. There's like a lot of messaging going on between different parents and texting and stuff. And just like one-off conversations about like, what have you heard? And what have you heard? And what can we do? And can we set up a GoFundMe? And like, we need to set up a meal train or something like these people are going to need food and money for a long time, regardless of the outcome. Cause they're either going to have like you know, no babies and that's going to be devastating and they're going to need resources or they're going to have a possibly paralyzed baby that's going to need a lot or they're going to have a baby that's just endured surgery and is going to still be in the hospital. And like, no matter what, like they are going to need some significant resources. So there's a lot of conversation about like, let's get a GoFundMe set up. Like, what else can we do to be helpful? The director of the school and the preschool is associated with the Lutheran church. So they're all involved and like, everyone's just like, how can we be helpful? How can we be helpful? This is obviously the most vulnerable thing for the parents in that school. Like there's nothing that would touch a group of parents of young children more than learning about someone losing a baby and potentially losing a second baby. So this is obviously like deeply, deeply emotional for all of the families at the school, not even just in Vinny's classroom, but like throughout the school, it was a big deal. So we find out a few days later that Scott is back in town with his son and that they've decided they're going to go ahead and do the surgery. So I believe this was on a Monday that we were told this. So at that point, the baby's like five, six days old. So they're going to go ahead and do the surgery the next morning, Tuesday morning. And so we get this email that's just like, you know, please keep the baby in your prayers. At this point, mom is stable. So mom has been discharged and is doing okay. So that's really great news. So we're like, okay, like everyone's just thinking about the little baby. We don't hear anything until Wednesday. And on Wednesday, we get an email midday that says there was complications during the surgery, but baby pulled through and the doctor is confident that he will survive and helicopter transport him or something from like the hospital where he had the surgery closer to home because the teacher lives like an hour away from school. So they're going to transfer him closer to home so that he can be closer to home, which was a little strange to me because my assumption was that they were at Seattle Children's Hospital. And Seattle Children's Hospital is like, like if you're anywhere in like the Pacific Northwest, in like Oregon, Seattle, Idaho, like that's where you would go. And often you're brought in from like other places in the country. Like Seattle Children's is like, it's a very reputable institution. So it was a little striking to me that this baby within like 24 hours of major life-threatening surgery was going to be transferred to another hospital for follow-up care. Oh, and that email also said that the baby continues to require 24-7 care. And also I'm like, well, he's in a NICU, like that's automatically 24 seven care, but whatever, like, and when you're getting these emails, you're just so grief stricken that you're like, okay, like you take all the information, you're like, okay, okay. So we get that information that he's going to pull through, he's going to be okay. So we're like, okay, exhale, like it's going to be okay. And that was like a big relief. We left a couple days later to go to Lake Tahoe. So we're in Lake Tahoe. And on Saturday morning of that weekend in Lake Tahoe, we get an email. So at this point, the baby's a week and a half old, we get an email that morning. The baby's heart stopped at 1am the night before and the doctors were not able to save him. And so now the second baby has passed away. This is obviously like so devastating for these parents and this family and like keep them in your prayers. Oh, and prior to that, a GoFundMe had just been set up And right around that time, the school set up a GoFundMe. So we were like, oh, okay. Like, finally, it's interesting. In these situations, like, you just want to do something to be helpful. So we were like, okay, there's a GoFundMe. Like, finally, we can do something. Like, we can do something and feel like we're being helpful and supportive in this, like, really, really overwhelming, awful, challenging situation. So the GoFundMe is set up. They immediately, within 24 hours, reach the goal of the GoFundMe. The person running the GoFundMe, like bumps it up a little bit more. People keep putting money into it. Like people are being extremely generous. Outside people got involved. Like my mom donated. I actually had some other connections donate. Like people were like pretty caught up in this whole situation because it was so gut wrenching. And especially for anyone who had little kids or had gone through anything like this before, it was like really, really pulling at the heartstrings. So everyone's donating and just doing whatever they can to be supportive. So we're in Lake Tahoe. We get to Tahoe, I believe on Friday, Saturday morning, we get an email that the baby has passed away during the night, the baby that we were told that the doctor was confident he would make it. He stopped breathing at 1am on Friday night, early Saturday morning, and the doctors weren't able to save him. And so now he's passed away. So this is, of course, devastating news that now both of the babies have passed away and like no one can believe that this has happened and just how traumatic the level of trauma and grief for this family, for everything that they've been through in this very short week and a half span. So that's on Saturday. And I was like, definitely in a little bit of a haze from that and really kept like just thinking about it and thinking about like, Oh my gosh, like how do you come back from that? And also like, there's all these other teachers at school who have just had babies or about to have babies. And like, just being around that must be, is going to be so hard for this teacher. And, I just like, it was a lot to process. And I know like a lot of parents were feeling that way. It was just a lot to process. And also some of the children. So Vinny just never asked about this. So I never said anything, but some parents or some kids had noticed that this teacher had been gone for a week and a half, wanted to know where he was. Some parents had shared information about the loss of the babies because the kids had known about the babies. Luckily, like my child is so obsessed with Pokemon and other like random things at school and like going on the monkey bars that he just literally like, he doesn't have the social conscience yet to like, ask about other people's well-being, so which was a blessing in disguise. So we just never told him anything, and it was just never a big deal. So luckily, we didn't have to deal with that. But there was definitely some families who were dealing with this kind of in the play by play with their kids, what was going on, and their kids were knowing what was going on. And this is like four and a half to five and a half year old kids like learning about little babies dying, which is obviously like these are really big conversations. So that's happening in the background. So on Monday, we're still in Lake Tahoe. Vinny and I and Vince are at the pool and Vinny's over swimming and Vince and I are sitting on our chairs and I'm like really quick, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna check email to make sure I check in once today. And there's an email that says, shocking news about Scott. And it's from the director of Vinny's preschool program. And I open the email and it says that the entire twin pregnancy was a lie. There were no babies. There were never twins. And none of this ever happened. So that was like, I literally smacked my husband when I like I got the email and I remember just like immediately feeling nauseous. And it was like an adrenaline rush because it was so shocking. Like my heart and my body. Like I had a very physical, visceral reaction. to like, oh my God, oh my God, like that, this cannot possibly be true. There's no way that someone would make up something like this on any level, let alone to the level of detail that this teacher made this up. I mean, the level of detail was so gruesome when you consider that this was not true. So I'm like smacking Vince, you know, by the side of the pool. And I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Like, look at this email. And what's funny is Vinny was in this pool. There was a lifeguard there, luckily, but like I literally for 20 minutes, I forgot that I was even at a pool with my child. Like, I mean, luckily Vinny's competent in the water. So it's okay. But there was like this passing of time where I was in such disbelief that I was like, time stopped and like reality was suspended. And then after, you know, I don't know, 10, 20 minutes or something. And I was like, oh my God, like I'm at a pool with my child. Where's my child? Like, is my child in the pool okay? Because I was in such shock that this came out. So. It turns out that there was some suspicions raised by a photo that Scott had provided for the GoFundMe page, that he had provided a photo of a baby that did not look like a four-pound preterm twin. This baby actually looked like an eight-pound newborn. And I had seen this picture of this baby the day after these supposed babies were born. And with the teacher who showed me the picture, I said, wow, I said, I think that baby's going to be okay. He looks really healthy. And this baby was like solid, like big chipmunk cheeks and like great coloring. Like he did not look like a preemie at all. But when you're in the middle of hearing the story that's so traumatic, like it didn't even enter my mind to have doubts about it. Instead, I just thought like, oh, what a relief. Like he looks strong. He's going to be okay. So when I heard that there was some suspicions about the GoFundMe page, I started looking at that picture and I Googled four pound baby. I Google imaged it and I saw like, oh my gosh, There's like no four pound babies look like this baby. Four pound babies have like a larger frontal lobe and like the lower part of their face isn't nearly as developed. Their cheeks are definitely not filled out at all. This baby had like huge chipmunk cheeks and like, you know, normal size forehead, like very clearly like full term developed baby, not any like 10 to 12 weeks early. So... I was messaging with another mom who listens to this show. So she hear me say this, but I was like, oh my gosh, I just Google image, like four pound baby. These babies didn't look like that. Or this baby didn't look like that. And she said, I can't even believe I didn't clue into this. She's like, I had two preemies and I didn't even clue in like, to that fact that like that baby is not a preemie. And that baby, And also like that baby would have like a feeding tube. And someone else said that like they wouldn't even be able to hold this baby if it had a major spinal injury. And clearly in the picture that we have, someone's holding it. You don't see the person, but you see that someone's holding. It. So my suspicion is that this picture, it was actually of the seven-year-old son when he was a baby. So what ended up happening is the parent said, this looks really suspicious. And they brought it to the attention of the school kind of gently was my understanding. Like we don't want to make waves, but like, there's a few red flags here. And like, just wanted to like, you know, touch base about that. And so then that kind of started the director of the program and the pastor of the church, like, doing some more research and being able to connect some dots and put together some missing links to determine and to finally get the teacher to admit that he had fabricated the whole thing. This episode is supported by Aqua Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the environmental working group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you gotta check out Aquatrue. Aqua True purifiers have a four stage reverse osmosis purification process and their countertop purifiers which is what we have take no installation or plumbing and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like pfas I swear it's like, can receive 20% off any Aquatrue purifier when you go to Aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any Aquatrue purifier when you go to Aquatrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS. S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S. Aquatrue.com code SHAMELESS. Look, Bumble
1: knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1, since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? (sighs) Well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better,
0: and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So his story, which literally we've heard, like, one line from him, and that is it. So this is all we've heard, is that he says that his wife had a miscarriage of a single baby in March, and he did not know how to get over that. So he made up this lie. And then the lie just kept growing and growing. And he didn't know how to stop the lie. He never seemed to be in it for the money. He didn't ask for the GoFundMe account to be set up. He never like asked for a certain amount of money. There was no indication that he wanted the money. And he even um, at one point, I guess, told the director after it was set up, like, this is too much. And like, don't, you know, like shut it down. And so it doesn't seem like he was in it for the money. So my suspicion is that it's more of a Munchausen's situation. And Munchausen's is probably not the accurate term, but it's similar enough. So Munchausen's is a psychological disorder. Again, this is my like reading the definition from online here, but it's a psychological disorder characterized by the faking of symptoms of a disease or an injury in order to undergo diagnostic tests, hospitalization, medical or surgical treatment. Also, parents can have this. It's called Munchausen's by proxy, where parents will convince doctors that things are wrong with their kids to undergo like testing, medical procedures. And for all of this, basically, like, I don't know a ton of the psychology behind it, but it's mostly for attention. And so in my mind, like, that's just kind of what stood out for this is that, like, this teacher got a lot of attention from the drama and the trauma of the situation. And it seemed like he needed to just keep building the story to be like worse and worse and worse and and more and more gut-wrenching and like to like lead people into this like more devastating experience to be like, okay, like the baby might make it, but he has to have the surgery and we don't know. And like, it's going to be a few days before we know more. It wasn't just like he made up that these babies were born and they didn't survive, which that alone, of course, would have been traumatic. But he had these layers to it that were just like, it's very sociopathic behavior. Very, very concerning. So of course... Upon hearing this news, all the parents were very uncomfortable that this person had been a childcare provider in the school setting for many months now. And so there was meetings around this and a lot of conversation around this and we definitely the good outcome was that there's no reason to think that the children were ever compromised. Many of the children identify this teacher as their favorite teacher in the room. He just brought this like energy and enthusiasm and fun to the classroom and They love all the teachers, don't get me wrong. But there was this very like childlike funness about him. And so the kids really, really love that and really connected with that. So there's no reason to think that he ever compromised any of the kids. There's no suspicion of anything beyond this. But if someone's capable of lying on this level and preying on a community's biggest vulnerability, which would be like harm to small children, that's pretty overwhelming. So we have heard nothing from him since his confession. I know that the director of the school, like I think there, there's stuff going on on there and that we I maybe are not privy to. I know that they were like looking into criminal like investigations and things like that. Like they got the police involved and there were some things involved with GoFundMe because if you set up a GoFundMe, like based on a lie, like there's ramifications for that. So there was definitely some like pieces that were being put together that we were not privy to. But we did get confirmation that like he was fired on the spot when this was discovered. He's not allowed back in the school ever. There's like a whole protocol in place for if he would ever come near. There was a lot of emotion around it though. Like a lot of emotion and a lot of fear and a lot of things around trust. And some of these parents had to tell their kids that this was a lie after telling their kids that babies had died and That's a lot. And that was very traumatic for some of these kids. And that was a lot for them to wrap their heads around. And so again, I felt so grateful that Vinny just was like oblivious to everything and he continues to be. And when I ask him where Skylar went, Brett currently he just tells me, oh, he had to go take care of his family. So they're not really addressing it as a class because all the kids know different levels of information. And so they've just kind of addressed things as they come up individually with kids. And so far it has not been an issue where they had to like sit down and talk about it as a class which I appreciate. And that's been good for our family. But I know other families have had some traumatic situations with having to talk to their kids about the final outcome of this and what happened. And so it's been like a solid few weeks of letting this settle in and figuring out like, what do you do with this kind of information? And of course, like you're so angry that you feel like Your emotions have been so violated. Like Your heart has been so violated. Your safe place where you send your kid every day has been compromised. It's a lot to manage and it's a lot to deal with. And I definitely had... It was really challenging to feel really comfortable taking Vinny back to school when we got back to Lake Tahoe. I kind of was like, I think I want to go to school with him every day and like hang out every day. And like, I definitely catch myself looking out the window from our second story. like to see like what's going on over there more often than I used to like nothing else has happened. It then seems totally fine, but what has been helpful to me, and this is kind of where I'll leave it for the takeaways for everyone is when you have deceitful situations and they can be on so many different levels and so many different scales. But when you have deceitful situations you have to process in a way that works for you. And so for me, processing is through talking it out, through sharing my experience, through talking and connecting with other people who went through the same thing. So I actually had classmates die in a car accident when I was in high school. And I remember that feeling a little bit similar in the sense of like, there was this like major trauma. And I just really wanted to be with my friends every day after that happened. And I remember one of my girlfriends and I in particular, like spending so much time after that happened, um, we would go down and sit on this dock, like many, many days after school. I just wanted to be connected to people who were connected to the experience. So that's how I process. Like, I can't just like put it away in my brain and be like, okay, like I'm done with that and everyone's safe and it's going to be okay. Like it takes me some time. And so I have to like think it through a lot. And also my mind just spins and spins and spins. So there's been a lot of sleepless nights for sure, because my mind just reels. And like thinking back, I mean, when you hear me talk about the timeline and the specificity around what days everything happened, that's because I've laid in bed thinking about like, okay, on this day, we got this email. And on that day, we got that email. And I've played it over and over in my head. Like I'm sure most of the parents don't remember the exact days that we got all the emails. I totally remember all the days that we got the emails because I've Can't stop playing it over in my head. So this is like my obsessive brain, my anxiety (laughs) taking hold. But that's also part of my processing. And it's definitely gotten a lot better. Like I'm not obsessing about it anymore. But those first couple weeks I definitely was. But I talked with other parents, I talked with my husband about it. I talked with girlfriends about it. Like I just kind of shared what had happened. And also I knew that I wanted to share it with you all, partly because at one point I shared that these babies had been born on our private Facebook group. I have since removed that post because. I actually even removed it before the GoFundMe page was set up. I just had this sense of like, it was a lot of trauma. As the trauma got deeper, I didn't feel comfortable bringing that into our community unless it was like going to be of service to our community. And so I decided to remove everything. And I'm glad that I did that when I did it. But I also felt obligated to kind of give you the full update because I had shared with some of you like the beginning of the story. I'd shared that this babies had been born and that one hadn't survived. Another interesting layer of this is that the supposed baby girl that only lived for two hours was named after the lead teacher in Vinny's classroom, which I thought was really interesting. And I asked the teacher, I was like, so were you really close with Scott? And she's like, no. He mentioned the first time that we met that he liked my name, but that's it. (laughs) So I was like, that's really interesting. And she doesn't have like, she doesn't have a really uncommon name, but it's not a super common name. So it was like, I clearly felt like he named his baby after you. Like, that's a big deal. And then come to find out he named a baby that he made up after you, that's pretty twisted. So that's what happened. If you all saw in the beginning of that play out on our Facebook group, that's the ending of it. And that's kind of, I know I've alluded to the situation a couple times, and I just wanted to kind of give you the ending of it. And, you know, it makes for a great lifetime movie, but also it makes for a good, like, there's definitely been a little bit of a gut check where people were like, he was a nice guy, but there was like something that was just a little like different and like you couldn't pinpoint it and it wasn't dangerous. It was just something a little different. Like there wasn't a, he didn't make a lot of eye contact. He talked real fast, nothing against fast talkers because <laughs> I'm like the fastest talker I know, but he always had like a lot going on and talked real fast and he couldn't make eye contact. And sometimes that was a little like, wow, it was a lot Then that was every day. So it made me go back to like, listen to your gut, Sarah, listen to your gut and be a little more cautious and guarded when something just feels a little bit funny. Cause I think I've talked before about how that's not my strength. So it was a reminder of that as well. So there's a few takeaways for you and just an interesting story. If you've experienced to see it, I hope I give you a couple of little tips here at the end that could help you as you navigate something like that. And also just for like solidarity it's really, really hard to be lied to. And it takes some time for sure to get over that. And it definitely like makes you check yourself. And it makes you check how easily you trust people and who you want to let in and all those kinds of things. So if you've been in that situation, oh my gosh, like I'm with you. And I get it that it's hard. So I'm going to let that be the end of this episode. If you have any follow-up questions, comments, like I don't want to leave people hanging with trauma. So definitely feel free to follow up in our free Facebook group over at shamelessmom.com slash Facebook. If you want to continue the conversation around this episode, because I know it's a traumatic topic for people and I definitely don't want to leave people processing alone. If there's more that you want to say about this or talk with people about this. So thank you so much for being here. I'll see you here on Wednesday for another great episode. Thank you so much for spending time with me today in the Shameless Mom Academy. I really, really appreciate you being here. If this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. Make sure you subscribe to the show so you get all episodes as soon as they're released and you never miss an episode. You can do that by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash review. That will drop you into Apple Podcasts where you can click on the little subscribe button. While you're there, please also rate and review the show. Let me know what you loved. Let me know in what ways you are a shameless mom. And remember, shameless mom of the week nominations come from our reviews, so if you want to be nominated, you gotta leave a review. So make sure you leave a review over at shamelessmom.com forward slash review. And lastly, share this episode with other shameless moms in your lives. The way the show grows and the way we build our community is by you all spreading the word. So take a screenshot of this episode, share it on social media, tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Instagram or Facebook. I will make sure I reply as quickly as I possibly can, sending you lots of loves and shout outs. And I can't wait to connect with you there. Until next time, have a great day. And remember, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly.